Do you feel that in a time when we are more connected than ever, we are drifting away from real human connection, especially to ourselves? I do. Hi, I'm Leticia Latino, and I want to invite you to join me and my very inspiring guests in exploring ways to reconnect to your essence, to your definite purpose, to what makes you tick. Are you ready? Hello, hello, and welcome to a new episode of Back to Basics, Reconnecting to the Essence of You. I'm with Susan Gold today. She self-describes as a transformationalist. She built a successful career between New York and LA. It's produced for film and television, and where she has been pivotal in connecting A-list celebrities to high-profile projects, like when she persuaded on behalf of Disney Channel, Ben Stiller, Jack Black, Taylor Swift, and David Beckham, to be interviewed by a cartoon characters, Phoenix and Ferb. At one pivotal moment in her life, she realized that to fully thrive, she had to meet her demons and uh, of her upbringing that were continuing to repeat. And that's how uh, she wrote the book, Toxic Family, Transforming Childhood Trauma into Adult Freedom. Hello, Susan, and welcome to Back to Basics. Wow, Letitia. Yeah, there's some back to basics for you from Jack Black and Taylor Swift to Toxic Family. <laughs> I know. Well, that, that puts it in perspective, but I love it. That's why, you you know, you are really an ideal candidate for Back to Basics because uh, we were just, uh, even before starting to record, we were saying, you know, where, where each other was and, and you are in Montana, in rural Montana. And you're right? in Miami. We're in the, the in- M places. <laughs> Yes, it sounds, it sounds, but trust me, sometimes I, I, my back to basics place is Sicily. That's how my, the idea of this podcast was born. Because when I'm there, that's where my parents are from. I just feel time stops. Low pace really makes, helps me reconnect. Wow. That's true bliss. And I love that you go there and you can podcast from there as well when you're there. Yes, I go there every summer. I spend the summer and I and I do, you know, I, I, I do work from there, podcasts, right, everything. When you want to do it, you do it. So why don't we start, uh, Susan, if you don't mind, with, with a little bit. And I know your book is about your upbringing and your toxic environment. But, you know, anything you can share from who you were as a young girl. And, and I'm particularly excited to learn about your passions, like where you envision yourself being as an adult and if they're connected in any way, uh, where you ended up doing. Well, I was in a very toxic environment and I knew it very early on. I think I was 18 months and I was in the playpen sobbing. I felt the the tears on the cheeks and the heat and the the plastic pad, you know, bobbing against my heels. And when I finally was attended to, it was not with love. Let's just say that. And my parents absolutely were doing the best they could. My father soothed with alcohol, my mother soothed with food. And back then, when you were a compulsive overeater, speed was prescribed. And that's what diet pills were. So (laughs) two addicts at the helm and one with a serious mental illness. My mother could be so kind and loving. She could give Martha Stewart a run for her money, but her mood would flip on a dime and I'd be beaten for what I didn't know. And I never felt like I fit in that household. I was very empathic. I could intuit the emotions 
the sensations, the the tone in a room. And I could even get full sentences from adults as a youngster until it became too unsafe because, you know, what I would spout out sometimes was not so welcome. So I dreamed of leaving that town and that family system. And I graduated high school on a Friday night, Letitia, and Saturday morning at quarter to eight, I was packed and ready to go. I would inspire myself watching Barbara Walters on my beanbag chair, on my belly, in the basement. And I wanted to go to New York City and to be like her. And by 19, I was in Greenwich Village in New York City, living on my own, doing an internship from college, and then went back to the city as soon as I graduated from college um, and took a job with a very glittering talent agency called International Creative Management. It's still there today. You probably know it because I know you have a son in the industry. So I wasn't making enough money as an assistant to an agent. So I picked up a side hustle, training people, exercise training, and Barbara Walters became my client. Oh my God. Uh, this, this, I get the chills because I love those full circle stories. And, and I even made a note when you said I would inspire myself by watching Barbara Walls, but that the, the language you use, like it's powerful because we forget we inspire ourselves. We let it to others to do the inspiring. We look and, and watch Tony Robbins, which there's nothing wrong about. But, you know, you reminded me that we can inspire ourselves. So thank you for that. Absolutely. And I'm so glad you pointed that out because I think that's the truth. And I think we have way more sparkle power and wonder within our own beautiful, pristine and glowing hearts than we're led to believe by our current systems in place and our structures. So I think the veil is coming down, the bloom is off the rose. And I think, you know, thanks to people like you who are producing the content that you are in this beautiful podcast and the conversations you're creating, we're unveiling that truth and that power that is mm. within Mm, I love that. I love that. So going back to, you know, I mean, you had your uh, full circle moment to having Barbara Walters as, as a client and you're leaving the, you know, you're in the city, you escaped the situation you were in. So things were going good for what it sounds. Well, they were, Letitia, but let's call a spade a spade. There were some red flags surfacing. I had promised myself I was not going to repeat the behavior I saw demonstrated in my family system. And it was repeating. I was needing a drink to socialize. I took a slug from the wine jug at work to ask for a raise. My relationships were getting seedier and more abusive and violent. And I knew there was a problem and one day at my office, my boss, who had a sexual addiction, I believe, he used to invite young actresses to come in for their casting moment and ask me to excuse myself. Mm. He tried the same thing he tried with them on me, and it kicked up so much trauma. The next morning, I rang Barbara's doorbell at 7 a.m., and she took one look at me, and she said, Susan, get in here. And she was highly intuitive herself. That's what made her such a great interviewer. And she got it out of me within moments that I had been sexually harassed in the workplace. And she said, well, 
I'm coming to, with you to work this morning and we're going to confront this gentleman together. And I said, oh, oh my God, I can see her in you. I guess you got her body language figure out. I said, no, no, Barbara, I'm going to be okay. I, I can take it from here. And I did go back to work that day and I did confront my boss and he promptly fired me. And by this time, I was 90, not even 90 days clean and sober. I had extricated myself from a very abusive relationship where the gentleman held the purse strings, I'm embarrassed to say, but that was the truth. And uh, Barbara said to me, well, why don't you become an assistant for my fiance, Merv? He was running a huge film distribution company. And I said, Barbara, thank you so much, but I just cannot put myself in a position to serve another right now after what I've experienced. So I opened my own talent brokerage firm, matching celebrities to brands and was willing to do whatever I needed to do to be a success. I was 25. I had like two months cash in the bank. I was really frightened, but somehow I was introduced to Donnie Deutsch, who's a well-known television host and entrepreneur. And back then... He was running his dad's ad agency and he had Pontiac as a client. And he said to me, we really want Andy Warhol to do a TV spot for Pontiac. Do you think you can get him? I said, I don't know, but I'm going to try. So mm. I was calling the factory and calling the factory and no one was picking up. So I took the subway from my little studio apartment on the Upper West Side down to Murray Hill and knocked on the wooden door of the factory, Andy's, you know, Mecca. Mm -hmm. And Andy's business manager, Fred, answered the door and I explained why I was there. And he said, come back tomorrow and I'll let you see Andy. And I'm like, okay. So I showed up the next day, waiting in the foyer, sweating bullets, terrified, rehearsing my little speech when the double doors into Andy's studio flew open and it was Fred. And he said, Andy, we'll see you now. And the studio was pitch black and I was terrified. I thought, what is gonna happen to me now? <laughs> but I walked in and I saw this pin spotlight coming down on this platinum hair going 17 different directions. <laughs> and there he was, he was madly scribbling with these colored pencils and these three pugs, you know, those dogs with the smushed up faces. Mm -hmm. They were running around the studio and I introduced myself. And then I went into my spiel about why I was there. He did not make eye contact, but he looked at those dogs and loved those dogs and they pull on his pants leg and he pick them up like babies. Mm. And it didn't take me much to realize he loved those dogs. And I could intuit that he was isolated. He wanted a connection, but he couldn't make it. He wanted recognition, but he didn't know how to connect. I could feel it. So finally, he looked up at me, Letitia. It was the first time he made eye contact with me. And he said, now, really, why should I do this commercial? And I stopped. <laughs> And there was silence for a moment. And then I said, because you can have the dogs in the shot with you. Oh, wow. What a masterful uh, move. <laughs> it worked. He said, I'll do it. And that really is what branded me for matching celebrities with brands. And that led me into becoming a producer for television and film. And it led me from New York to Los Angeles, where I was offered a position that I thought was a great career move. Mm, but really, wow. it was to meet 
my greatest guru as in teacher. And that would be the man who would become my ex-husband. Oh my God, this story has it all, Susan. I mean, they have love, you're intertwining love here. You have these serendipity things that I'm a firm believer on. And, and you know, sometimes it's easy to, to forget that these, I mean, I love what you just share because so many people don't do things. What are the odds of this happening? And, uh, you know, and I said it on the show that I, I created this podcast out of a course I did with Seth Godin you know, one of those platforms. And for my 100th show, I say, you know, I'm just going to invite him. And I, but I knew he was, I mean, what are the odds? And I wrote the email and he said, yes. And I'm like, this is crazy that, you know, and so many people just, they don't ask. Uh, and so they are already saying no to themselves by not even putting themselves there. But you open your own talent agency, you walk down the street against all odds and you made it happen, which is so inspirational to me. Well, and so are you, and so is this podcast, and so is everything you've accomplished. I mean, my gosh, when I did the research for our conversation, I was really humbled with all the areas that you have your hands in and all the success that you've experienced and what you're bringing, the message that you're bringing forward. It's really exceptional, and I'm privileged to be oh. here amongst your listeners. Oh. That touches my heart. Thank you for saying that. But so I know you, 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 you know, and I want to I talk about the trauma in the book, because obviously I, I do believe that, that that work is really important, that you were courageous and brave to to write the book, to help others. So you on this stage, you find your dream job, you find somebody you can learn from. Also, you found love in that whole process. What do you want to share about that that particular stage uh, in your in your life? Well, do you want me to share about the book as it pertains to the book, or do you want me to share as it pertains to that point in my life where the book wasn't even in the picture? <laughs> no, anything that you want to share that leads you to that, because I know there was a moment that was definitely like a transformation moment where you had to decide how am I going to, you know, I'm going to change my career and I'm going to just move. So I definitely, anything that could leave us to understanding what, when that happened, I think it's important because I think a lot of people can relate to that, to having a great job, a good situation, and then with the red flags, but then to completely change in your life. That's a big move. Yeah. Well, I have my ex-husband to thank for it. So I went to LA with high hopes and the career was flourishing and I met the man that I thought was my Prince Charming finally. Even though I came from a home that was broken, I dreamed of having my own home that was flourishing. And I thought that, oh, this is it. He said all the right things and we became a couple and lived together for quite a long time and then decided to have a child. So we married and I bought a home for us in Southern California. And very quickly after, I found myself feeling drained and exhausted and my life getting smaller and the jobs becoming less abundant. And I didn't quite understand why. And every time I would point a finger outward, I would point three fingers back at myself and take full responsibility for my circumstance. But what was happening was I was carrying a lot of weight, the mortgage, the taxes, the insurance, the repairs. 
And I didn't feel entitled to asking for more, but it was draining me so much. I finally confronted my husband and asked that we create a postnuptial agreement to bring fiscal integrity to the relationship Mm. because I couldn't carry anymore. I was going to fall down. And to his credit, he agreed. And we got to the last point of that agreement. And I thought, wow, our marriage is going to be saved. Even though I knew, Letitia, it was well beyond the expiration date. But I was so codependent since second grade and Billy Fritz. Even though I had this great career and it looked great from the outside and all my friends said, you're so strong, you're so capable, I would crumble without the attention and the physical presence of a man in my life. And that doesn't always lead you to select the highest fruit. It's sometimes the lowest. So I thought we were saving our marriage with this agreement. And my husband folded his arms over his chest. And those eyes went in those cold reptilian-like slits that you may know. And he said, I'm hiring an attorney and I'm I'm filing for divorce. And that intuitive voice that I had since I was very young in my in my family growing up came over my right shoulder and through my heart and said, This is the universe doing for you what you cannot do for yourself. Mm-hmm. And we went back to our home, but I can't refer to it as a home any longer. At this point, it was a domicile. And this was a metaphor for the relationship I was carrying, Letitia. He took up residence in the master. And I, by choice, took a mattress across our home into a partial conversion in the garage. Mm -hmm. And that was my monastery. There, I remained for a calendar year it took to work through the divorce process with this man that I loved and I watched his mask fall and I did the deep inner work, even though I'd been a long time meditator and I had tried so many different therapeutic modalities and I had survived so much. Here was the perfect storm facing me head on. And I held no contact in that circumstance, meaning no verbal contact and no eye contact. And within a calendar year, we had an agreement. I could write him a six-figure check and he could go on to his next source of supply. And most people ask, how can you see him as your greatest teacher, Mm -hmm. even refer to him as a guru? And that man taught me my authentic power. Finally, I was not going from the outside in to feel my essence, to feel my value, and to feel my worth. And I had done it in multiple ways in my career as a decorated endurance athlete, long-term meditating, single mom, right? But here I was, he showed me how to find that love within my bright heart and to start living from the inside out. And that totally changed my world. 
That's very powerful. I can only imagine uh, how your book is, but you're very, you know, you you definitely transmit that the, the wisdom and and the and and it's very inspiring to see how you took that. And yes, I mean, even for me, it's like, how is she going to say this is her guru? But the way you you just presented is, you know, never let a good storm go to waste. They say it. No. I want a t-shirt uh, with that. <laughs> yeah. 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 Somebody is to my credit was a guest of mine in this podcast that said it. And I say this is that that is brilliant. That is brilliant. And so you was going, it sounds to me like as in your bio says you face your demons. You're now dealing with all these things. And uh, you decide to, well, you go on your own after the divorce. And, and that's when you move to rural Montana. I take it. So it was quite a few years in between. I, for seven years, I went on one date <laughs> by choice no. to yeah. focus the time on me. I transformed that garage that was packed floor to ceiling with all sorts of memorabilia. He was co a collector and I turned that partial conversion into an income suite. So I earned half my mortgage, my taxes and my insurance that way. And I created a really quiet, life and focused on my son and my profession. And since 2007, I've been encouraged to write a book. An Irish seer told me I would write a book and it would help a lot of people. And I quickly shoved that under the nearest carpet. I, <laughs> I mean, you know what it takes writing a book. You're an author yourself. So, yes. um, but then in 2020, I had back-to-back -back intuitives tell me, yeah, you have a book to write. And the third intuitive told me you have three books to write. So I thought, okay, before this turns into some fluffing library, I think I'll start. <laughs> so I felt I had a lot of experience in many different areas, and I've had an interesting trajectory. And I felt that this would be a legacy to really be authentic about my experience. And I do believe there are many toxic systems, not just families, that influence how we live as human beings on our earthly walk. And I am grateful for the family that I came from. They taught me tenacity. They taught me resilience. They taught me a can-do spirit. And I love them today. I have a great relationship with my siblings. I have three brothers and a sister and my father's still here. He's a genius astrophysicist in retirement. And I really appreciate because my parents were hurt and abused children. And they came into a marriage together as hurt and abused children, raising hurt and abuse children. And when I really went deep, it goes way back in the lineage. It's way back in the ancestry. And we're all carrying things that really, they don't even belong to us. Guilt and shame and ways of being that are broken. So I felt, okay, I'm going to write a story about my experience and I'm going to emphasize how I chose to perceive things to move through them with a new point of view. This, all these challenges, these challengers, these are huge opportunities for soul evolution in this walk. And maybe I lived in Southern California a little too long, but I feel like it's been a great setup that I've moved through in this earthly walk. So I chose to write that and I took all 
the pain and the abuse and the rage that was in carefully crafted compartments back out and up as I wrote for 15 minutes a day, whether I had something to write or not. Mm -hmm. And the first manuscript was finished within nine months, but I didn't feel connected to it. So a very dear friend said, go back and write it from little Susie's point of view, that one inside you that's walked through all of this. And that's when I connected. It's not so much the manuscript changed, but my connection to it changed. Hmm. And then two weeks before the publisher was ready to publish, I got a phone call and she said, you know what? We're going to change the title. I'm like, what? My title, Letitia, was Magical Illumination. (laughs) transforming childhood trauma into adult freedom. And she said, we're going to go with toxic family. That's really going to bring the readers that need to read this book because people that are looking for magical illumination are going to be really surprised. They're not going to understand that. Oh, I started having nightmares. I was like, my family, I'm throwing them under the bus. I mean, they, you know, they were walking through it too, but that's the right title. It's mm-hmm. reaching the right people and it's created incredible healing. I have abuse with my older brother. I spent a couple of years in therapy dealing just with that, working with it and confronted him in a healthy way in my twenties. And he said, that didn't happen. But if it did happen, here's why it happened. And he's almost got complete amnesia of his mm-hmm. childhood. My sister feels she came from a charmed childhood and almost feels guilty. She had such a beautiful life. So we each have a very different experience within that same household. But I give my oldest brother credit. He did read the book and he called me after reading it and I almost didn't recognize his voice. It sounded like a little eight-year-old boy on the phone. And he said, Susan, I am so, so sorry that I was not a better brother to you. I don't remember this. I am very sorry I hurt you. I am so proud of all you've walked through. And I'm proud the way that you've written your book and have lived your life. And that was almost worth (laughs) the experience of walking through this. And there've been many more miraculous stories from strangers and from people that I know like that have been transformed. The book is more like an activation almost. Mm. I love that. I love that. I think when when you write from authentic place, that's the difference. That that connection, I mean, I love how you say I wasn't connecting with the manuscript because as you say, I, I like to write myself and you can tell when you're writing and you're trying to be politically correct, you're trying not to offend people, you're trying to, but then it doesn't feel authentic. And you cannot fool yourself. And then when you are authentic, it just changes the whole tone and the and the reader recognizes that. And the only way that you can touch somebody is by being authentic because people can know. I think people know when it's BS. Yeah. And there's no BS. I mean, I've always told the truth blatantly at times. And, you know, I really question myself at points. Can I really put this out there? And yes, this is the truth. And yes, it's a very taboo topic, but it's one that we need conversation around. We need to step up and demystify 
and tell truth around what really is a boogeyman. If you really look at it clearly, and it's just created so much freedom within my life and now for others that I'm so grateful to have been able to have the courage to step up. You know, I had a glittering career. I interacted with household names that most would be in awe of, but this is my calling and Mm. this is my mission. That's beautiful. And so, and, and of course, I'll have your, your webpage on the show notes, which is susangold.us. Besides the book, Susan, are you, what's, what's your new mission? As you say, this is my mission. Are you also coach people? What's, share with us a little bit of what's exciting you in terms of this new mission in your life. Yeah. So what I'd like to do is offer a free conversation to people so we can see if there's resonance And then if there is, we work with each other. And I've been helping people through similar traumas that I've experienced and traumas together, both on a personal and a professional level. And it's quite natural. It's what I've done almost my whole life, just being the energy that I am. I'm a transformer. I bring light to circumstances. People feel better, like they feel better with you they feel better with me after we've had a conversation. And also recently, Leticia, um, I've started creating YouTube videos so people have access to more free content. And I'm just sharing my experience and what's helped me through those mm. traumatic experiences. Oh, wonderful. I'll, ha- I'll have them though there for sure. And I know we're going back, but I think this is important. And I know you... Is one of the things you 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 are open to talk. There are a lot of people out there that are dealing with addiction. This is something you hear more and more and more. And so you yourself say, I got, you know, my act together. I got clean and I know people struggle. What advice would you give? What tangible advice would you give to anybody that's listening to this and this? Mm, I'm drinking a little bit too much or, you know, I'm or any of the addictions that we live because I feel that definitely there's an explosion especially after the pandemic mental health addiction it's just like we don't know how to cope yeah I mean back when I got clean and it's been decades now I've been clean for for multiple decades it was more of a taboo and I'm glad the mental health conversation is coming forward and there is an easier softer way it takes courage but to be continually repeating the same patterns over and over and over again and expecting different results and being in the same scenario. I mean, I couldn't wake up one more morning with my mouth like full of cotton, anxious over what I may have said or done the night before and didn't really know. And there's a whole nother way of living. It's like living in a whole new zip code and you have support and you have community that's available. I've never seen so much help as there is help out there now, human being to human being. I mean, you don't even have to go to a medical professional to get help. Talk to a trusted confidant reveal your scenario. There's no shame in your story 
And dollars to donuts, I probably know someone who's in a worse circumstance. So step on up. You're totally worth it. You have value. You have purpose. And when you walk through your challenge, you're going to be able to help other people that are back in the same square hole you had been in and now rose above. I love it. I love it. And I love the fact that, as you say, by writing the book, but you sharing your story. I mean, even the the story you, you, you share at the beginning of the interview, you know, where your boss behave in ways that he shouldn't. I mean, all these things that there have been taboo for so long. And, and they say, well, if Susan shared that, then like we we normalize the, the bad stories, unfortunately. And, and I feel that it has to stop where people think that everything has to be perfect all the time. And if you share something that maybe is not so rosy, people cannot deal with it. You know, I think the more we share, the more we help each other deal with any any of our life circumstances. Yeah, I agree. I agree so much so. There's no need for us to walk around in this pretty block of isolation and pain that we've been trained into, actually. Yeah, there's another whole different way. Mm. Well, Susan, I, my last question, as always, will be about what how you connect to your true essence. You've shared a lot of things that you like to do, like meditation, uh, you have a beautiful mountain in front of you where you live. Is there anything else that really when you need to resource yourself is your go-to thing or or practice? You ready for this? I find joy. And that could be in taking a plastic hula hoop out and hula hooping. I find joy. I sing a song that has sappy lyrics and I pretend I'm singing it to my little being inside my heart. That's what I do. I try to shift the energy out of the down into a more up and I soothe. Mm, I love it. I think that's why you are successful is you use again the word I find joy, like I found inspiration in Barbara Walters, like you take control and responsibility of your life. And I think if we can leave the audience with any nugget of wisdom from this interview, it would be that, that you can do it yourself. You don't need anybody to come rescue you. It has to start with yourself. Absolutely. Yeah, that's really important. Yeah, you are strong, you are capable, and you have more power than you even know. And you have a beautiful team surrounding you that wants the best for you. Thank you. I think that's a great way to, to you know, lead the audience. I, I, everything will be on the show notes. I'm sure that, that you will inspire so many with your book, with your work. And you definitely have a calling and it shine through the interview. So thank you, Susan, for being here today. And thank you, Leticia. I really appreciate all the work you're doing to produce such a wonderful podcast. Thank you so much. And for all of you out there, you now have the ability to leave voice notes on the Back to Basics podcast uh, webpage. So if you want to connect with us, just leave a voicemail. And until our next episode of Back to Basics, bye-bye. You've been listening to Back to Basics. You can follow us on Instagram and Facebook. If you haven't yet, subscribe Rate and review this podcast on Apple Podcasts or any of your favorite streaming platforms. This is the best gift you can give us. Join me next week for another Back to Basics conversation. And if you want to find out about other exciting things I'm working on, visit LeticiaLatino.com. Thank you and until the next time.